0: I know I struggled with that in the past, just trying to understand what sparks joy and come to terms with some purchase guilt that showed up in the form of clothes that still had tags on them or items that just weren't being used or being stored away and collecting dust it's tough it's a, it's hard but it's reality and it's what needs to happen in order to ignite change
1: welcome to spark joy the podcast dedicated to celebrating the come method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show.
0: What is clutter truly costing you? It may be way more than you think. Today, we will attempt to uncover and put a price tag on the hidden costs associated with delaying your KonMari tidying event. Like many common lifestyle changes, losing weight, getting out of debt, finding a new job, the longer you wait to get started, the more the issue compounds and slowly steals your joy. So it's time to get real and talk about the physical and emotional costs associated with keeping clutter around. But before we get started, it's time for a joy check. Karen, what's sparking joy for you these days?
2: I have to say that this weekend, and it's okay for me to talk about this now, because by the time this episode airs, this will have already happened. But this weekend, I'm going home to surprise my mom, a surprise visit. I live in New York City, but my home is really in Kansas City. So my sister and I have plotted a surprise visit, and she, my little sister will come pick me up at the airport, and then we're going to go surprise my mom. So we have a fun weekend planned. I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a little while since I've been home, a few months, I think. So it's just going to be great fun. It's always good to get back home and see everybody. So looking forward to that. What about you, Kristen?
0: That sounds great. Well, let's see. What's sparking joy for me? I would say at the moment, running is sparking joy for me. I have mentioned in previous episodes that after tidying my home, I focused a lot of attention on my finances. But health was also this slice of the life pie that I really wanted to focus on as well. And the way I'm doing that currently is to get back on the trail. So I have this great trail called the 606 Trail here in Chicago, and it is kind of a man-made trail and it's beautiful. You can see the city from from the trail, great views, and it's just a really well-kept and clean and modern trail. So I have all the tools that I need right, to get started. But yeah, I only just started running again um, very recently and I realized how I love the fact that running is just the best minimalist kind of exercise that you could do. I love group exercises. I love to get in and out in an hour and do something fun with other people, but i as I mentioned, am focus on my finances and figured I also need to spend a lot more time outside. Uh, so I've chosen to do running, get to get back to basics, basically. And I've loved it so far. That
2: sounds great. Running sounds like so much fun, especially outside.
0: Yes, <laughs> especially when I actually like to run. I used to run cross country and track. Wow. I was really a sprinter in high school. And then I ran cross country kind of as Uh, dare slash my coach told me to just keep in shape by doing it. I didn't really want to. So I started out in JV. And then by the end of the season, I had improved my time so much that I was almost on the varsity team. And I... We'll always remember that experience because it really mimics that whole idea that we talk a lot about on our show of just putting one foot in front of the other, one baby step at a time and building momentum from there. So it really um, kind of mirrors the tidying process. And I think that's probably why we often call tidying a marathon sometimes because it can so easily be uh, kind of compared to a training experience.
2: That's great. It sounds like a really healthy and wonderful thing to be doing.
0: Yeah, so far so good. It's tough, but the more I do it, I remember how much I love it. All right. So now that we've checked our joy, it's time to break down the obvious and the hidden costs associated with clutter. Let's ease our way into this by starting with the tangible costs associated with having more than what you need. So we'll start with talking about the physical space, of course. This is your actual living environment, your home. The first point to explore is the cost of storing your clutter outside of your home.
2: This one is definitely the most obvious, and actually, believe it or not, we're going to talk about something that is a $38 billion industry. Yes, it is self-storage. Storage lockers, storage facilities, all of these containers that that people acquire to store their extra stuff, it all adds up to a whole lot of money. And it turns out that a self, self-storage unit, on average, Monthly cost is $91.14, which is really, if you think about it, over the course of a year. And many people have storage lockers for multiple years really begins to add up.
0: It does think about that. It's $1,000 a year. Think about all the things that money could be supporting that are either utility items, like literally your utilities, your water, your gas bill, or things that you definitely need to have and use, like your cell phone or your internet service, or even think about the opportunities associated with investing that money every month and how that money would grow over the length of having that self-storage, which is usually you know two years, five years, 10 years that someone might keep a storage unit around. It's amazing when we look at those bills over time, how much it adds up to and I got so excited. I had a client who actually texted me and told me that she was paying her last bill. She screenshot the um, bill yeah. and the final payment on her storage unit. She had uh, completed the Kumari tidying process and realized that everything could comfortably be uh, stored and displayed in her home. And she didn't need that extra space anymore. So that's definitely a benefit. And unfortunately, it starts out as being a real cost.
2: Absolutely. And I think in an urban area, sometimes it's a really sticky wicket because, you know, we don't have attics and we don't have basements and we don't have garages necessarily in apartment life. So a storage locker just becomes such an easy thing to do. And they are advertised very heavily in urban areas. And it just seems like everyone you know has a storage locker. So, you know, when it comes to off-season clothes or holiday ornaments or just all the stuff that you don't know what to do with, the storage locker just seems like a great idea. And today I heard that having a storage locker is like going to visit your past mistakes. Because for most of us, if you have a storage locker, it's full of stuff that you don't really want and Mm -hmm. don't necessarily need, but you're not ready for whatever reason to let go of those things. So it's kind of interesting when you think about what a storage locker really
0: is. Next up is the cost of not using everything that you've purchased.
2: So try going through one room and make a quick estimate of all of the things that you're not using, how much those things cost. So for example, go into your bedroom and consider the cost of your unworn clothes and shoes. That's pretty obvious, but that's like probably the biggest expense. Or things like your makeup or toiletries that, are, that you're not using, or toys that your kids don't play with any longer, or all of the different food items that you probably have in your pantry that are just sitting there. If you add up the cost of all those items, it's really quite a lot, and you're still paying off a lot of that stuff. If you have credit cards that carry a balance, then you're paying for things that you're not even using over and over again.
0: I know I struggled with that in the past, just trying to understand what sparks joy and come to terms with some purchase guilt that showed up in the form of clothes that still had tags on them or items that just weren't being used or being stored away and collecting dust. It's tough. It's hard, but it's reality and it's what needs to happen in order to ignite change.
2: I think a lot of the things that we purchase that we end up not using are are basically things that are impulse purchases, or they're things that we bought for other reasons than we actually needed the item. Maybe we were just having a bad day, or something just caught our eye, and it just seemed like buying that new dress was going to cheer us up for for that moment. Um, It seems to me that when I think back of the things that I let go of that I had hardly used, I could trace it back to a decision that I made that really had nothing to do with the actual object. So that's something too, is that as you go through your Kanbari journey, becoming more thoughtful about those things that you're purchasing is really kind of one of the, the key benefits of going through the whole
0: process. Exactly. Next up, we have the cost of having unutilized space within At home. So your stuff is taking up space, but your space itself is way more valuable than your stuff. And Peter Walsh, a professional organizer, has a clutter calculator that helps us actually put a number on what's not using a room or a basement or a sunroom office. Uh, Fill in the blank here how that's impacting our bottom line. So the calculator begins with just taking the value of your home, dividing that by the square footage of your home, and then that equals the value of each square foot. So if we walk through an example, if you live in a 250,000 square foot home and there's 2,500 square feet, first of all, congratulations, because that's a great cost of living. (laughs) Um, If we use those numbers, it's just a purely example. Your square footage is worth $100. If we take uh, or if we estimate the rooms that are being occupied by clutter, things that are not being used. So this could be maybe a basement and an extra room. So let's pretend it's about 500 square feet just for the sake of math here. So then we take the value of the square footage, which is $100, multiply that by the square foot being occupied by things that are not being used. That's 500. So the value of the unusable space is $50,000 compared to that $250,000 that the home is worth. So that's huge.
2: I often think of things like when I work with clients, um, it would go into their kitchen and I look at the appliances that they have on their kitchen counter. And a lot of these appliances could take up a square foot of counter space. And so I'm also, you know, I ask clients, so how often do you use this thing? Oh, once every two weeks or never. Um, And that item is taking up a square foot of really valuable space. Mm. And because we often don't know where to put these things, except on the top of the kitchen counter, um, it just is is just underutilized space and incredibly wasted money.
0: Yeah, those flat surfaces are yeah. super valuable, yeah. whether they're on the floor, or the counter, or the table. And yeah, is your Vitamix be sitting on your counter worth a hundred dollars a square foot? Uh, I don't know, right. <laughs> right. especially if you're not using it. Yes, for sure. Next up, we have the cost of buying or renting a bigger home to accommodate things that may not spark joy.
2: Well, so this is a great one, because a lot of times this is exactly what happens to people, especially if your family grows. It seems like the natural thing to do to move into a bigger and bigger place to accommodate the people. Yes, but also all of the stuff. Um, So obviously, there's the expense of of moving into a bigger place to accommodate all of your things. Or sometimes it's not even buying a bigger place or renting a bigger place. It's it's the cost of adding additional shelving or or storage closets or, or what have you to accommodate more stuff. And, of course, the more closets and shelves and things that you build, the more you're cutting into your actual living area, um, which is kind of an interesting concept if you think about it. But it's true. I mean, you're really cutting into every closet Every shelf really cuts into um, the actual space that you have to do activities and to live in your home. Also, another cost is of insurance. So, especially if you have a bigger home, then insurance is going to cost you more. And then also, if you're insuring items that don't necessarily bring you joy, are you insuring things like heirloom jewelry that's super valuable, but you don't ever wear it? It's just sitting in your closet, but you're paying um, extra insurance for it. And and that can extend to a lot of things. You know, if you have cars that you don't drive or, um, you know, just about anything you have that's costing you extra to insure is an extra expense.
0: And right along the lines of insurance, services in general are going to be more expensive when you have a bigger footprint. For example, when you hire a landscaper, they're going to price and bid higher because they need more labor in order to get a larger job done. Uh, Same applies to refinishing a floor or uh, plumbing. I know some of my friends who have uh, expanded their families have recently run into this issue where uh, they can just tell that their contractors are pricing them higher because they have A bigger home Uh, so it's it's tough and you have to be prepared and aware of those expenses now that being said both Karen and I have grown up in uh, larger homes and have chosen now to live in smaller footprints so we've kind of seen both sides of the coin and so uh, we are not for or against small or large home living but we just want to point out if you do have a large family and you need more space Or if you've just made the conscious decision to just uh, surround yourself with more space, even if it's just you living in the home, that it's an intentional decision and it sparks joy and all of the rooms are being utilized efficiently. So the next cost of clutter is the cost of the clutter damaging your home over time.
2: This is probably one that you would not think of without recognizing how deterioration over time, such things as just the weight of clutter, blocking airflow, things like infestations or mold, all of those things that can happen to your items that then have to be repaired or fixed, just the lack of maintenance that can occur if you have too much clutter to, to get to the things that need to be maintained in your home. Um, sometimes you find that there's just like a lot of unfinished business, things don't get repaired the way that they should because there's just too much clutter to get to those things. Or you may not even be able to see some of the damage because there's too much stuff. A really good example of this is that you're leaving your car out in the elements because there's no room in your garage. So what kind of uh, wear and tear does that cause over time to your car and your home?
0: Any of our listeners who have attempted to tidy even one category of of items in their home have probably experienced before and after feeling of a space where you are pulling everything out to confront those items. And then when you put them back in place and everything clicks, the room almost feels like it's lighter and refreshed. And I think part of that is just the attention and energy that we're giving to our items, this newfound respect and honor. But another side of that, I think, is just the fact that we're literally moving the dust around that has yeah. accumulated on those items that have just not really been interacted with in, you know, a year, two years, five years, ten years, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on the space. So there's really something to that. So when things are left stagnant, um unfortunately, It not only has an impact on the items themselves where they can break or um, get damaged over time, but it literally wears on the home itself. I had a client who just mentioned how she left a tray in front of her door outside and she didn't realize that it was leaking because it just sat there and it collected her um, kids boots in the wintertime. And then when she picked it up, she noticed that it's now left like a permanent stain on her tile outside. Wow. So I mean, that's just a small example and can probably be corrected. But again, that costs money. So Absolutely. yeah, goes back to to the cost of just the clutter damaging the home over time and the extra expense on maintenance.
2: I can think of two clients that I've had relatively recently who once we got into the the depth of their closets, discovered that a lot of their things had been attacked by moths. And something that they had been completely unaware of because there were things that they didn't wear. And, you know, it was very sad to see that these things that at one point were beautiful and loved that have fallen victim to moths, which is something that definitely happens if things are left for a long time. And now... We'll move from the idea of physical clutter to other kinds of clutter. And this kind of clutter is the clutter that can impact your calendar space or your time and energy. We first discussed this concept of calendar clutter in episode number 30 with Lloyd Palau. The cost of clutter, getting in the way of finding the things that you need.
0: Statistically speaking, we spend about 55 minutes a day looking for things that we can't find. Let's really take a closer look at that stat. So that means 55 minutes a day on average, that translates to 333 hours a year, which is a total of 14 days or two weeks. Which is a two-week vacation. Okay. Right. I was going to say, imagine what you could do with two weeks. I, I just came up with so many things in my own mind if I had two weeks of time back for this year. Um, so yeah, let's be careful. We get into these patterns of trying to search for things that we can't find because it will really catch up to us and it costs us in terms of our time and our energy.
2: And it's easy to think, oh, that can't be me. I'm sure I don't spend 55 minutes looking for stuff every day. But you do. It's the five minutes for your keys, the 10 minutes looking for something that you need to wear, or looking for the shoes, the right socks, or finding stuff on your desk. All those things, it adds up minute by minute to, to turn into a real cost. And when clutter is in your way, it's easy to fall into the pattern of forgetting what you already have purchased and then going ahead and purchasing duplicates of the same thing.
0: Then you run into this lack of understanding around how much you have in your home. So just an unclear inventory of the products, whether it be paper towels or earrings or accessories, office supplies. Mm -hmm. It's amazing uh, the things that we have in abundance purely by accident.
2: I recently had a client who moved and the reason that she decided to reach out to an organizer was because after six months, her whole family, she and her family were living in boxes still. And as we started going through things, she was like, oh, so that's where that was. I had to go buy a new one. Oh, this this is where these things were. So I've had to go buy you know, duplicates, because I didn't know where things were. That's kind of an extreme, but I think that happens in a lot of ways for people. Next up, clutter can get into the way of doing those things that you truly need to do.
0: America suffers from too much to do syndrome, this constant unproductive preoccupation uh, with all the things that we have to do is one of the things that really takes up our time and our energy. The author, David Allen, who uh, wrote the book, Getting Things Done, talks a lot about open loops. And he says, you've probably made many, many more agreements with yourself than you realize. And every single one of them, big or little, is being tracked by a less than conscious part of you. And this includes anything that doesn't belong where it is. So that could be something as small as the candy wrapper that's sitting on the table that you know you have to get up and pick up and then put in the trash. Or it could be something larger that is out of place in your home, like your laundry. Those little things... Add up over time and kind of weigh on your subconscious. And it can have really a lasting impact and cost you in terms of your energy and just overall ability to move forward and focus on things that are worth your time and uh, that matter to you.
2: It's all about those things that you find yourself moving from place to place because you don't really have a good place for them to go or you're not exactly sure what to do with them. We could probably dedicate an entire show to how to handle those open-ended items that are mundane and things that are blocking the free flow of ideas that are um, engaging to you. For now, you can refer back to episode 16 with Amanda Jefferson, where we discuss how to use the four D's to defer, delete, delegate, or
0: diminish the task on your plate. That's a great episode for sure. And it's perfect for anyone who has uncovered unfinished business when addressing clutter. So that wraps up how clutter can impact your calendar space or your time and energy. Next up, we're going to discuss how clutter impacts mind and body. This is how the emotional cost of the clutter can affect your health and well-being. The cost of negative thinking or self-talk is first up.
2: Here are some examples. I'm not an organized person. I was born this way. I'll never be tidy. I can't let anything go. Everyone else is able to maintain a tidy home. Why can't I?
0: That last one is one I hear a lot for sure. I even had a client tell me that she was really frustrated with the fact that the 8 million people who purchased the life-changing magic of tidying up were able to implement it in their own homes. And she couldn't understand why It didn't work for her. It wasn't a fit. (laughs) And and, uh, I explained that just because the book has been on the bestsellers list and people have definitely picked it up doesn't mean everyone read it, first of all, and it then A layer down from that. It doesn't mean that every one of those millions of people implemented it in their own home in a comprehensive way. Uh, So yeah, it's interesting how we can kind of have these stories running in our minds that aren't really capturing what's reality. Next up, the cost of avoiding your own reality.
2: This is this idea that you could be in denial about the amount of excess stuff that you actually have. And I have definitely seen this. I have experienced this in my own life where I thought that I was a perfectly organized person and I didn't have too much stuff until I pulled it all out of the closet and threw it on the bed, which is why Convoy works so well. Because, you know, getting it all out in front of you is makes it really hard to deny how much stuff you have. But that's a that's a real cost. I mean, being in denial about something so fundamental about yourself is really something that you're missing out on and something that is is costing you in regards to having a fuller understanding of yourself.
0: And related to that, we have the cost of using shopping to cope.
2: Definitely check out episode 31 where we discuss shopping addiction with Dr. April Benson. It's a great episode and she talked a lot about this idea that we shop for a lot of different reasons besides actually
0: needing something. Yeah, that's a great episode, and it's useful for those who are diagnosed as shopping addicts, or just someone who's just trying to curb their spending. Uh, it's it's important to kind of do that gut check to make sure that you're shopping with the right intentions, uh, because unfortunately, over shopping not only leads to more clutter in the home but it also leads to clutter in the form of financial debt and just stress as well so there's big costs there right next up we have the cost of linking your self-worth to a certain type of collection or things that are associated with a particular lifestyle
2: this would involve things like trying to keep up with the joneses this idea that life would be so much better if you had that one particular pair of shoes or that one handbag um, or those 10 pairs of shoes or those 10 handbags. Um, so what happens if those things disappear or if all of a sudden, as I've had happen to a couple of clients, they were no longer able to wear the high heels because they had, you know, issues that develop with their feet because they spent so many years wearing high heels. What happens to your self-esteem or your feeling of self-worth if, if all of a sudden those items aren't fulfilling that that need for you. It really is about operating outside of your true values and attaching, you know, attaching emotional substance to objects.
0: Yes. And that becomes a bit of a void once the tidying event is all finished up. Unfortunately, if we tie ourselves too much to those things and then we let them go We now have to figure out kind of a new way of living, a new behavior to fill the void, uh, maybe stepping out into the community a bit more instead of into the mall. Uh, So just something to keep in mind, uh, because unfortunately, there is a cost uh, associated with tying ourselves too closely to our things.
2: Which I think is one of the reasons that the vision is so important because, and especially when you think in terms of like trying to avoid falling back into old patterns, is that the vision allows you to identify yourself in a different state. So by having that vision statement that gives you kind of a roadmap for how you want your life to be going forward, it allows you to say, what things do I want to bring into my life if objects are no longer front-centered?
0: Next up, we have the cost of clutter that blocks your ability to execute certain physical activities. You can try this exercise. You can go into your bedroom, for example, and ask yourself, is this space honoring what's being stored within it? And then the next follow-up to that is, is this space supporting the ideal lifestyle that I desire? And If part of that lifestyle is working out, but your yoga pants are on the floor or hard to find or always in the laundry or uh, your socks are mismatched and you don't even know if your running shoes are anywhere near any of those items, then maybe you are unintentionally blocking yourself from executing certain physical activities that would help you Uh, make major progress in the health. Next up, we have the cost of clutter that limits your ability to make healthy choices.
2: It could be that your clutter is keeping you from maintaining a good level of cleanliness in your home. Maybe it's really hard to clean um, when you can't get around the clutter. Or um, maybe... You have stopped cleaning things that you might have cleaned in the past because you just feel so overwhelmed and helpless. Um, Those are definitely things that could impact your general health and well-being. Another thing that that I see a lot is um, having so much clutter in the kitchen that actually preparing healthy meals is um, just too difficult to do. So in this case, someone might rely on takeout food or delivery or fast food um, instead of making healthier meals because the kitchen is just not usable.
0: And we go deep into how the clutter in your home can also somehow end up around your waist in episode three with Dorothy, the organizer. And we talk about how clutter can show up in your diet and how sometimes we use eating, similar to shopping, uh, to cope.
2: Tying health and wellness into another area, friendships and relationships. This is another area that talks about the emotional cost of clutter as well. Some of the negative impacts of clutter to your friendships and relationships include the cost of clutter that limits relationships and your quality of life with your friends and family,
0: I believe that's why Marie Kondo focuses on designing the KonMari method in a way where you're really taking that journey on your own, only for focusing on the clutter that you're responsible for first, before jumping in to try to change the behaviors of others.
2: There can be a real impact on your relationship with other people, not only in your home but outside of the home. So within the home, obviously the biggest one that would come to mind would be blaming others in your home for the amount of clutter. Often I work with people who you call me because their significant other or their kids are out of control. And then when we get to working together, it turns out that really they're the ones who had clutter issues to address, first of all. But also it can it can tie into things like your work relationships. I've heard people say that, you know, if, if only my boss wasn't such a jerk or if only the people at work you know, did their fair share. I wouldn't be so exhausted when I got home. Um, My job is so stressful. I can't keep the house up. You know, my family is so judgmental about the things that I want to get rid of. There's um, just so many areas that that clutter can impact your family and, um, you know, just relationships in general. Also, it keeps you from wanting to do things with people. That's another thing that um, happens to a lot of people. Uh, You don't want to invite people over to your house. In New York City, it's kind of a joke that no one ever goes to anyone else's house. Even if you've known somebody forever, you may have never seen their apartment. And I think in large part, it's because our little apartments tend to get really cluttered. Um, So for a lot of folks, they feel like they need a lot of notice before somebody can come over. And it's a major deal. This idea of just having somebody spontaneously drop by just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I have a lot of clients who love to cook, who love to entertain. That's in their vision. But they have unfortunately had to limit that because they get so stressed when it comes to preparing for someone to come over. And I really look forward to the day where they can have their kind of capstone moment of post-tidying when they have that graduation party or that birthday celebration and can experience putting the emphasis in that energy towards the enjoyment of the event rather than the prep that has to take place behind the scenes. Now that we've covered friendships and relationships, it's time to wrap up by discussing finances. First up is the cost of clutter that prevents you from accessing information critical to uncovering the realities of your finances, essentially preventing you from reaching true wealth in abundance.
2: Episode six with Tess Wicks helped us declutter our path to wealth.
0: And we've talked a little bit about overshopping and indulging. That also leads to a lot of debt and dishonesty, unfortunately.
2: This can come out in things such as disregard or even denial of spending. So, you know, really not wanting to know what your financial situation is because you are worried or concerned or have some deep-seated belief that if you looked at your credit card bill, it would be disastrous and uh, that you're spending a lot more than you realize. Also, just having your bills and your paper clutter and your financial documents inaccessible so that you're not really sure what your financial situation is at all.
0: And we also have the cost of the clutter that locks you into consumption patterns that lead you to having no choice but to stick with the type of job situation or career choice that may not be even your ideal vision of your career path. I know that this one is particularly uh, near and dear to my heart. I have uh, experienced what some call like the golden handcuffs when you have that salary, but you also have your spending that's kind of canceling out that salary and therefore tying you to, uh, the security of that job that may not be perfect, but you know, you need to stick with it in order to pay for your consumption behavior and habits and shopping. Uh, and it really puts you on what is called the hamster wheel. Uh, that's what we call this, that in the FI community. And that's FI or financial independence. It's a community that I also am embedded in almost as much as the Kamari community. And we'll definitely link to it in the show notes. Uh, Be a bit of a rabbit hole to start talking about it today. But it's all about just recognizing that more stuff isn't going to make us happy. But what could make us happy is saving as much as we can and putting money in different investment vehicles to the point where uh, we get to a phi number as it's called, that would allow us to either retire early or choose and really be empowered uh, to go down a career path that really isn't tied to someone else's decisions, someone else's financial experience or vision. So it's all about shifting to a life of true abundance and not operating from a scarcity mindset. So when you do that, you make desperate decisions, you make Uh, irrational decisions. It's all about feeling more empowered, just like we feel more empowered when we tidy and we take ownership of the things in our home.
2: Finally, what about fun and your enjoyment of the joys in life? And most importantly, I think, is that the cost of clutter keeps you from pursuing your life's purpose, from becoming the person that you want to be, kind of tying back into this idea of maybe being wedded to a paycheck, are uh, trapped in a situation that is not bringing you fulfillment and joy. Um, that's not helping you to move forward as a human being on this planet with, you know, your one life that you have here. So clutter can keep you from being able to experience all of those great things that being a human being is all about.
0: And that's what Kanmari aims to resolve. It aims to help you tackle your home, get a hold of your space, your environment, so that you can then be an extension of a home that you honor and respect and you can be more grateful and you can truly put your attention on what you're meant to do, your purpose. We've discussed how much your clutter is costing you and that's pretty heavy, but we like to end the show on a joyful note. So we're gonna talk briefly about ways tidying up KonMari style can pay you back. One really obvious way is finding money during the tidying process. My clients have found cash, gift cards, checks, loose change, you name it. Uh, It's like a, a never ending scavenger hunt really when it comes to literally finding money in your home. That's how fast tidying can pay you back.
2: Another one is that you can actually sell or consign these items and make even more money Um, along with this idea that when you're selling your handbags, you definitely want to check all of the pockets. I have a good time with some of my clients checking all the pockets of the handbags that they decide they're going to consign. Uh, But that's another way, a real specific, concrete way to make money from, from tidying.
0: And we'll have a future show that talks all about selling and consigning and also donating, which is another way Tidying can pay you back. We will dedicate another episode to that. We really look forward to releasing that very soon.
2: And for sure, being able to let go of those extra storage lockers because you've gotten rid of all that stuff that you don't need any longer and you've found spaces in your home for the things that you truly want to have there and you're no longer paying that Um $91.14 on average for a storage Walker,
0: And you may tidy and realize that you don't need a larger home. You actually could possibly downsize to a smaller space. So that insight is definitely invaluable and will totally impact your pockets.
2: And along those lines, this idea that, that maybe you're living in a home that's really large, but you live in an area that is not where you really want to be, but it's Where you can afford to live. Uh, having fewer things might mean that maybe you want to move to a big city, but you can only live in a smaller apartment, as most people would 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 need. And so downsizing and letting go of the extra stuff in your life will allow you to move to the place that you really want to
0: live. And when you move, you'll spend less money. I know that was definitely the case for me. I've moved So let's see, two times um, over the past two, three years now. And before that, I've moved about five times. So in, in my adult life, when I definitely was responsible for the cost of moving, I really appreciated KonMari because it saved me money on the front end and the back end.
2: The next one is locating and finally using all of those extra supplies around your house so that things don't go
0: to waste. And being able to prepare food at home in a clutter-free kitchen, not relying on takeout as much.
2: And gaining a new appreciation for experiences instead of things. Buying fewer, but buying better things and enjoying them more.
0: And we can't forget the less tangible ways that living clutter-free can improve your life and pay you back. It's all about expressing gratitude, saying thank you closing chapters of your life and inviting new opportunities that allow you to really thrive while you're tidying and after.
2: You may find that you're able to inspire others in your home to change their own habits and behaviors because you're modeling your truth. You're inspiring change and you really can't put a price tag on that.
0: So when you feel like you don't have the time to tidy up your home or start your Kanmari Tiding event, consider the true costs that we discussed today. Or when you think you can't afford to take some time off to focus on your home or invest money in hiring a professional organizer to help you dig out, consider what living with clutter is ultimately costing you.
2: As you move toward accepting the things in your life that spark joy and letting go of all the rest, you'll discover far more satisfaction in life. Your job, relationships, health, and leisure will naturally bring in more abundance and positive energy.
0: So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kamari has impacted your life.
2: You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show.
0: While you're there, sign up to join our SparkJoy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs.
2: You can also join the SparkJoy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast.
0: Thanks for tuning in and we hope your day sparks joy.
1: Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host Kristen Ivy of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Commary Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Commary Media Incorporated or the Conmary Consultant Community.